0: cool okay do this <laughs> how funny we've been like sitting here for a good minute we waiting for this <laughs> to <laughs> <We've> ha- start <laughs> yeah waiting for this to start talking about how excited yet a little bit nervous we are about this but we are one glass of wine down so I think that cut through the nerves for sure oh for sure for sure so it's I we're ready I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready too. Ready. I, I think it's time to do this after the the wait, the wine glass. It's cool. It's yeah. it's chilling now. We're mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is wine talk. This is something that Marthea Evelyn had brought up to me. Not too it was like well how many years? a while ago.
1: Yeah. Was it like, like
0: sometime in October? I feel sometime, like sometime or maybe before, maybe in the summer. Yeah, probably. It was. Like that. It was. Somewhere. It wasn't too long ago. She brought up about doing a podcast on mental health. And I am a big advocate on mental health. I love talking about it and I think it's important to talk about. And on a wine trip whim this past Christmas, that's the name came to be, and now we're here and we're wine talk. I'm excited.
1: I'm excited too.
0: Yeah, Um, I'm really excited. Um,
1: This is something that I had in mind for quite a while. And when I um, heard you talking about mental health, I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) we all go through this. And um, it's something, again, that I've I've been wanting to do because I feel that um, nowadays, even even though it's more out, we still have a lot of um, taboos out there that, you know need to be let out and um this is in hopes that um whoever is hearing this if you're going through something whether it's something that we have gone through or not that you know that you find a way out and that um you're you're acknowledged and you um you find a way out because this is something that it's it can make you go in a in a big deep dark hole and um, it's very easy to go in. And sometimes it's just a matter of one um, traumatic um, experience and sometimes it's accumulative, you know, so it, you know, anyway in, in in any way that you are in today, um, just know that you're not alone and that you, um,
0: you, there's help out there. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I just... I think we wanted to disclaim that, like, we aren't, yes, we aren't therapists. We're not. This is not meant to, like, advise you on, like, or I i will – I have always been one to say, even with friends that I know that have gone through stuff and have always asked me, like, hey, like, how, how are you just, like, that now compared to, like, before? And I've always said I'm not one to give advice. I will – I'm just talking out of experience. And my experience is going to be completely different from everyone else's. But if my experience and my way of navigating through what I have had to navigate through is a way to encourage you to find what fits for you, then I will love to be an advocate for that. So that's mainly what this is. It's mainly to just be a little olive branch to help out someone out there, whether we have similarities in stories that have caused the things that we deal with or if we don't and you just love to hear me talk or love to hear us talk it's chill with that so yeah (laughs) let's 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 hear about your yeah let's hear about your story and then i'll I'll tell my story all right i guess we're gonna dive in um well i most of people on here know me i am genesis i'm 21 um i think I can't even tell you how long it's been since I started to like realize that there was something different., um, one of the best things that I love to always like point out, and um, I think that's what made my like family start to realize that like there's obviously something. I would always say there's something different about me. like, Growing up, I always knew that I didn't think the same way a lot of people did, and I didn't f- feel emotions the same way people did, and I never understood why. And at first, I used to always think, like, what's wrong with me? Like, there's something wrong with me. And then it took me a while to really realize that everyone just thinks differently, and everyone experiences life differently and feels emotion differently. Um, I started going to therapy to like deal with my differences. I think the earliest that I can remember was probably sometime before fourth grade for sure. Um, Then I stopped going after a while. Um, I think when I first started to really acknowledge that what I had was like mental health issues, probably sometime in high school. Um, By then I had already been diagnosed with depression and an eating disorder. Um, and body dysmorphia, but um, I still struggled really, really bad even through therapy. I was in and out of seeing different therapists and um, I never fully had gotten to the root of what caused all of that until I would really say like recently, um, I started to really unlock a lot of childhood trauma and stuff. Um, also one thing I want to say for those people that know me, when this is obviously to be as vulnerable as possible and I am here to speak on my experience, um, I don't want anyone to view me or my family any differently because everyone's different and I'm also not going to air out my family's dirty laundry either because that is personal and I have respect for my family to not air that out. But I will speak on my experience. Um, so with that, I will say that childhood trauma was something that was a really, really big part in a lot of the depression that I went through. I was um, the youngest. I was a girl in a Hispanic family. So with that, mm-hmm. with that it already Close. put a lot of standards, of course. Um, but I was also... Um, the second child to a disabled sibling. So automatically, I, without my parents willingly wanting to, uh, my needs weren't, I wouldn't say acknowledged because I did have a very good childhood in that sense, but I wasn't given a lot of attention because of the fact that my brother was hard of hearing and he essentially needed all of that. So, you know, that there was nothing that... My parents or I could have done it any differently to like shy away from that. So that that sort of neglect had led up to a lot of like retaliation when I was in middle school for sure. I was always getting into <laughs> secret boyfriends that I shouldn't be having, and like little relationships that my parents were like so not okay with, but that I still did anyways. <laughs> and like That's when my codependency really started. And I never truly realized how codependent I was until um, my high school relationship. And um, my codependency lingered for a long time, a long time. And going into high school, my codependency got so much worse because I was already within a toxic relationship within itself. So, you know, I had all these childhood trauma issues and then I had codependency issues and then I had a relationship that was just... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I had codependency issues and then I had this relationship that just was not healthy at all within any aspect of it. Not to bash on my ex if you're watching this. Aw, cute. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not here to bash on any of the people that have like been roots or like instances in my, tra- my trauma and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, that's literally me. Like that's everything that I had to deal with. And for a good amount of time because of the time period that I was really getting to realize what mental health was, And being in a Hispanic family, like, my mental health was not acknowledged growing up. It really was not. It was a really, really big struggle. And for a long time, that's what the issue was, was, like, I knew that there was something different about me, but I couldn't tell what it was. And I had this therapist telling me, oh, you're depressed. And when I would go home and be like, okay, I figured out what's wrong. I'm depressed. And then then be like... No, that's that yeah. doesn't exist. You're just like making something yeah. up because you're lazy or mm-hmm. you're making it up because you want to act out. Mm-hmm. So that like that played a really big part in like even acknowledging that something for sure was wrong with me and having to put my foot down and being like, no, like something that is something is up and like I can't figure out a way to get out of it. I have people that aren't acknowledging it. So I need to like figure it out even deeper and so, yeah, I, I think I, I remember telling you like when I had sent a voice memo to you about this, um, one question that I really didn't want to go into depth and we can go into it once we start talking about like your experience yeah. is really like the different times that we were in when we both started to acknowledge what was mm-hmm. going on with us and mm-hmm. started to really realize what was going on with us. You know, I was probably like early 2000s, maybe into 2010 era. And it wasn't like, it was super taboo. Not everyone talked about it. Not everyone acknowledged it. If you said it, it was like you were crazy. There was something wrong with you. And like now it's a lot more acknowledged and it's so much more of like a calming thing to be able to be like, yes, this is what's wrong with me. And I there are people that acknowledge it and it feels good. And so, you know... The different time periods, definitely. Yeah, so For sure. Yeah, I think, you know,
1: coming from a Hispanic family, um, like you said, our culture is very tough in, in a sense. And so when you – saying I need to go to therapy is like saying you're crazy. Yeah. And that is how, how they perceive, you know, needing therapy. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important because – um can get you out of a lot of a lot of uh, you know depression anxiety and other
0: you know worse things like yeah I just feel like anything I always tell people I feel like if everyone in this world went to therapy like it would be so much better therapy helps out a
1: lot absolutely and there's there's many ways there's there's um well at least from my experience um I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit about about um my experience with um depression and anxiety and mine was um I want to say it's accumulative. It started, yeah, I think in my early years. But again, because, you know, you're taught to be tough, you, you know, brush it under the carpet, you know, pick up yourself and move on kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you you really don't think anything of it. Um, and I think when I was younger, um, or, or, you know, my early 20s, For me, it was like I was the queen of the world. I was doing a lot of things. A lot of my peers were not doing, accomplishing a lot of things at a really young age Mm -hmm. that I wasn't really thinking about my mental health. It was more like moving forward, moving forward, moving forward, Mm -hmm. fast paced. And then, um, you know, and then I get married and then, you know, everything is fine. Um, You know, of course, like in every marriage, we have our ups and downs. But um, where I think it really, like my really um, problem started is when I had my first, my second child. Mm-hmm. My second child um, was premature mm-hmm. and having the experience of having my first child, bringing him, bringing him home and having him, enjoying him. And then having the other one in the NICU for two months, it was very stressful mm-hmm. Um and then on top of that, um, our financial situation, because I had wasn't working, um, I couldn't work for a long time, and then taking care of the little one, having to go to the hospital twice a day, having to, you know, um, my life, those two months were come home, pump, rest a little bit, pump again, and go to the hospital again. And, you know, come home, sleep, and again, it was like the same routine. Yeah. And I, you know, it took a toll on me. And when I brought him home, I felt like um it was my son, but it was it it wasn't the same feeling I had with my little one. Mm-hmm. So I knew something was up, but mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I moved on yeah. and I thought, you know, this is going to go away. And I I'm pretty sure I had postpartum depression, but it was mm-hmm. never acknowledged by, you know, by any medical um person, any, anyone, no one nobody in my family knew, no one, I never expressed it, it was, yeah. it was in me but I never expressed it and then nine months later I get pregnant with my baby girl and everything turned, um, it, it, it gave us a big turn because it was unexpected. And um, with the two sons, with my my two previous sons, we had tried so hard to get pregnant and it was very hard. So when we get pregnant with her, it was so, so easy to um, so easy to get pregnant that, um, you know, it was for us, it was like a miracle, you know, but it came with a lot of um, physical challenges, a lot of um, health challenges. Um, I was, you know, at my peak years where, you know, after 35, you're high risk. And then I had um, gestational diabetes. And then I had the, the risk of having another premature child. So mm-hmm. I was under a lot of, um, a lot of care, a lot of, it was, it wasn't a very pleasant pregnancy. So um, when we get to the hospital and we find out she's not going to make it, it kind of turned a switched on me. It was like, all this time I trusted or I had that that trust in the medical, um, you know, the medical field that when they told me there's nothing we can do, I felt somewhat betrayed.
0: And mm-hmm.
1: then since that um, they didn't want to do anything to try to save her. So um, getting out of that um, was very hard. Um, the first couple of weeks, it was like we were... At least I was in another world. It was all a haze. I, I, it was so surreal. I could not believe that that had happened to me, yeah. and the questions that you know was it my fault? Could I have done this? Whose fault is it? Is it my fault? Is it you know the doctor's fault? Is it um, God's fault? Like you know, you all these things come into your mind, mm-hmm. but you kind again you kind of have, you know move on because you have your other kids that you know that they need you and your family needs you. So you kind of, um, or at least I walked around with a smile, but it wasn't, but deep inside I was falling apart. I was crumbling yeah. because I couldn't, I thought I was dealing with my grief, but I really wasn't. Yeah. And then, that. yeah, it was, you know, and then, um, and then we hit a, a really bad heart, uh, financial hardship. And then, you know, um, It just, you know, every little thing after that felt like it was crushing, crushing, Mm -hmm. like putting pressure, putting pressure. Mm -hmm. So when I, you know, it came to the point where I felt like anything that I wanted to do was like, for what? I'm dying. For what? My husband's dying. He's old. My mom's dying. She's old. Like everything was negative. And then, you know, and then I ended up um, having physical uh, my my body took a toll, and it was in the emergency, not in the emergency, but in the urgent care at least once or twice a month, mm-hmm. and it was all because I felt like I was dying, and I I had no idea I was I, I was um, I had depression, I had no idea I had anxiety, and all this was happening like you know every every other week or every week, and I thought you know this is normal, like mm-hmm. it's, it's just something that I. Something physical, right? Mm -hmm. Until one day, um, one of the doctors told me, you have depression. You're having an anxiety attack. And this is why you're feeling like you're dying. Because I felt like palpitations all the time. I felt like, you know, I wanted to run
0: out. Yeah, anxiety attacks are, like, the worst. I recently just started going on medication for it. Actually, my mom put me on medication for it because it was getting really bad. Like, the feeling of anxiety attacks, like... I have never felt like so good to breathe after it's over. Like you sit there and you're just like so stuck and I can't like imagine like not knowing what's going on and like having someone be like, okay, this is what's happening. You're not dying, but there's this part of you that you kind of have to like acknowledge and deal with now. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that was, that was my biggest thing.
1: Um, Like, Having that diagnosed, you're, you're depressed, you have depression, you're having anxiety attacks, like there's, you're not dying, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that was like my boiling point where I was like, okay, something inside of me said, okay, you need to, because again, because we come from a, you know, a Hispanic culture where we're, you know, taught to be tough. That part of me, inside of me, said, okay, you need to be tough in a way that you help yourself, yeah. you know? So um, that one time that, um, that I was at urgent care, they gave me um, medication for depression and, and my anxiety attacks. And um, But the first thing that they told me was, you need to see your physician because this is highly addictive. Yeah. And when they told me that, I I panicked. I was like, I don't want to be addicted to this, mm-hmm. but I want to help myself. So I went to the doctor, um, to my primary doctor, and I, I told him, you know, I don't want to take them. He asked me, he says, are you taking your medication? And I said, I'm not. I'm very scared. I don't want to be addicted to this. Mm-hmm. And um, I need something to help me get out of this, but without having the medication. That was yeah. like my biggest thing. And so... um he gave me a few recommendations, a lot of, um, you know, natural things. But I think what really, really, really helped me, and that was like um, that was like at the top of my very worst. It, um, I remember one day I told my husband, I need to do something. Either you take me to therapy or something. We do something because I feel like I'm going to explode any minute. Mm-hmm. And um, I started going to um, a, a friend of mine that's a, a Reiki master, and she gave, she, she did a session for me and that was a very, very big eye opener for me yeah. for many things because a lot of the times when you're going through a depression, you don't see beyond, um, what's in front of you yeah. or what, you know, it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, sentiment inside, a lot of, um, feelings
0: inside that are, um, there's just so much like that you think about, like. I, it's so hard to explain. And obviously the people that know what we're talking about understand. But it's just like it's this constant negative wall that you cannot break through no matter how hard you try. Yeah. And you know that it's there. And you you know that you, your brain is just making that up. And it's making you think that. And it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not like it's the end of the world. But... In that moment, it's, like, there's nothing at all that can make me feel better. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was younger, too, everyone was always telling me, you're so negative. You're so negative. And I was just, like, that I don't know how to change that. Like, yeah. that's just how I think. Like, you know, I can't. Yeah. do. My brain doesn't function any different than that. Yeah. Like, that's all I know.
1: Yeah. And a lot of times that's too – a lot of people because they haven't um, gone through it or they have it you know um, suppressed, they don't um, they don't know how to express or how to um, guide you or help you. And, and for me the, the worst thing that I always heard was it's okay you have two more kids. Like you'll be able to get pregnant again yeah. without acknowledging that you're going through grief. Through something, yeah. It's you know, and sometimes, and this is why also it's very important for me, and why I wanted to to also do this mm-hmm. project, yeah. is because um, I feel that a lot of the um, uh, a lot because I've talked to many many um, moms after my experience, and a lot of moms um, that have gone through this have kind of gone behind a wall like you said a wall of of feelings and try to tough it out but um but again at the end of the day it's it's a big loss and we are we are taught to to say well you're young you're going to have another one it's okay but it's it's not okay mm-hmm. it's not okay because for me it's very important um to bring this my experience out because a lot of the times we feel that um, especially when you're told you're not you you can't have any more children. For me, my my worst part of um, of not just losing my daughter, but also um, not being able to have any more kids, and not because I couldn't, but it was the risk of having another yeah. loss. And so um, before that, you know, we were okay. We we had our our second son, and we were okay not having any more. It was fine. Our, our family was complete. And then we have her and we lose her, and then there's that, that, um, I guess, psychological
0: thing. Yeah,
1: of why can't I have another one? Yeah. Even though, you know, you had already made up your mind of not having anymore. So that I know, um, but for a lot of women, not being able to carry another child is also a burden. It's also, you know, a big, a big grief. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's my experience and that's um something that i you know if i can help in any way of um you know uh, other women that are going through this it's for me it's very important and for me um what also helped me i remember the the week that i um that i had my loss i had a couple of um friends that had also um you know lost several pregnancies um came forward and you know, I didn't know they had any loss because mm-hmm. it was, it's a taboo. Yeah. to this day, people are afraid to say, I lost a child. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, because again, society always tells you, it's okay, you can yeah. have more. It's okay, you already have, be, you know, grateful for what you have, mm-hmm. you know, but that feeling is still there. Yeah, of course. So, you know, that helped me out to know that I was not alone, that it didn't just happen to me, that a lot of women go through that, and... um and I'm still going through my journey. There's still, you know, my anxiety um, has gone down a lot. Mm -hmm. I have learned to manage it. I have learned, you know, ways to to not fall into that, but it has been a journey, and it's still, you know, till this day, there's, you know, there's days where I'm like, okay, this is a sign. I know this is coming, Mm -hmm. and you know, and you learn to acknowledge them to just let them feel but yeah. you know but don't accept and don't go don't fall
0: into it. Yeah. I not too long ago I think I saw this video of someone saying like, um, oh I don't believe when people who have like depression or anxiety say that it's like a day to day thing. Like it's so, some some you, you can decide to get over it. And honestly when I saw it, at first I was kinda like sure, but then at the same time I was like, No, like yeah Sure, I can one day be like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to work through this and it's going to be completely gone, but that's not the truth. It's something that I'm always going to deal with and it's something that I have to just acknowledge and understand that, yes, it's something that I deal with, but it's not impossible to deal with because I've made it as far as I've had dealing with it. So, yeah, it's a day-to-day thing and some days are better than others, of course, but – There's – when the the heavy days are there, I know what I need to do to get me out of that. And I think that, like, that's sometimes what people get – when we're so deep in that, we forget that there are still ways to come out of it. And there's times where even, like, the smallest thing – like, I I remember one time I was, like – I had a really, really bad depressive episode. I spent the entire day just, like, in bed. I didn't, like – sounds super nasty. I didn't get up to like shower in the morning or brush my teeth. I just stayed in my bed. I closed the blinds all the way down and I didn't even turn on the TV. I turned my phone on do not disturb and I completely shut out the entire world. And I remember towards the end of the day, I was like, okay, like I cannot keep doing this. Like I'm starting to really sulk in this. And if I continue to do it, then it's going to be lasting for a minute. And so something as small as just like even having Max my dog come into my room and just like lay in my bed with me it just made me feel better and i f- mm-hmm. think that everyone forgets that like such small things can bring s- such big lights and make you feel so much better and it's those small things that have really kept me going you know and i i don't know i'm just definitely i think one of the things that that um
1: help me. And I think um, and, and it's funny because I never, I never thought that people would perceive my depression. Um, mm-hmm. And, and obviously my doctor knows because he, you know, he has record of all the times that I've been in urgent care. Yeah, But um, I think for me, my, my turning point of, um, of healing or of, of how I, I dealt with my depression is that um or my anxiety at that point because i think my depression got a lot better Mm -hmm. you know once i i knew that i had it and i did a lot of um you know healing but Mm -hmm. um my anxiety was still you know it was it's till this day like i said sometimes it it, you know it just comes up out of nowhere but um but one of the things that helped me out and um and that surprisingly, my doctor um, knew that I was that I was getting better. And I guess part of it was because I wasn't going to the urgent care anymore. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the things is funny. But when COVID hit, I thought to myself, "Wait a minute, I can't go to the hospital. Like, I better yeah. like you know, <laughs> I better do something yeah. because I ain't going to the hospital right now." Yeah, no. so my. So my my fear of dying was greater. Was not as as big as going to the hospital, hospital and, and catching COVID. Yeah. COVID. You know, so uh, that alone was, you know, was one of the things that you know that got me thinking and got me into kind of you know looking into ways of of getting over my anxiety. But one, I do remember one, one time, um, one night, uh, I get this email from or this uh, message from one of my friends and it was kind of like a prayer. And it said that you, um, that she was thankful for, um, for all that she had, but she was more thankful that she was sleeping in her bed and mm-hmm. not in a hospital bed. Mm-hmm. And that really, really, really triggered something in my brain mm-hmm. that I thought, you know what? It's true. Like I didn't. I started to be grateful for all the little things, things. and once you start being grateful for what you have and not what you don't have, because that's another that's another big issue that I think um, attributed to my depression was social media. A lot of um, a lot of the things um, because, like I said, in my early years, I was I felt like queen of the world. I was accomplishing a lot of things. As you know, as the older I got the less accomplishments I had and I didn't see that I was really focusing on having or or raising my kids. It was, you know, I I forgot about that. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh wait, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And then I saw all, you know, you go into social media and you, you know, you see everyone like doing things that you're not. And you, you know, that really contributed to my, my, you know, my yeah I get that 100%
0: I think it's social media sucks man I try to stay away from really lurking onto other people because Mm -hmm. I've noticed that I am very like I wouldn't like to say that I'm obsessed with comparing myself but like everyone I naturally do it like I I will say, and I have always been one to say, I'm very privileged for the life that I've had. And I've always said that ever since I was little. I remember when I was little, I used to get mad when people would say that my family was rich. I'd be like, we're not rich. Like, my dad works so hard. He wakes up at 3 in the morning and goes and gets the money that we have. But, like, all in all, like, even with, like, the privileged life that I had, like, I still was comparing myself. Like, I still was struggling so hard. Like, because I had such a negative mindset and I was seeing people around me just like so happy and so like not a care in the world and just enjoying their life. I was just like, what's, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. And I, Mm -hmm. then I was falling into like the anxiety of wanting everything to be perfect and this obsessiveness to always be perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, have, be the perfect daughter, have the perfect grades. Like that's when my obsessiveness for school, like really Mm -hmm. kicked in and like, even, even now, like I'll, I'll say like, I, I just graduated college and um, I'm a, a semester ahead of everyone. And I decided to take my gap semester. I didn't want to fully jump in it. And I've recently been struggling with like the idea of like, was that a good idea to take that semester break? And I think I, still, I that's when I had to really take a step back and I realized that I had been so obsessed with seeking validation through my accomplishments with school mm-hmm. that now that I don't have it, I'm very lost and I'm very confused and I'm just kind of like, wow, this kind of sucks. But then I had to really acknowledge that, like, no, I accomplished something really good and something really big. And, like, not many people have... The opportunity to say that you graduated a semester early and that you're even able to take that semester break mm-hmm. and still be on track and still do what I have to do like now I have that semester to get enough money to study for the LSAT and like you know do a bunch of things and so I really had to not be on social media for a minute and I think it's it's I always say it's like my annual like seasonal depression like understanding like we're if you don't see me posting or taking that many pictures... Because I'm very active on Instagram. Like, I love being on Instagram. I, if When it comes to my stuff, you will know and you will see. I have no... Like, I don't shy away from that. <laughs> but if I'm not posting often and I'm retracting, it's because I'm, like, really going through it mentally and I'm taking a break from everything else. Because that stuff is just so, like, mind... Well, this thing is explicit, but mind-fucking. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. so, like, messed. Like, it's, it's the worst. And I... I just really had to understand that me comparing myself wasn't going to make me feel any better. And even if I accomplished what I was envying someone accomplishing for, Mm -hmm. it still wasn't making me feel any better. Like, Mm -hmm. I I had gotten to the point where I was like, okay, I accomplished it too. And now what? Now, like, what's next? And, like, why didn't it fulfill me the way that I thought it would? And it's just, like, the obsessive, like, thinking of just, like, okay, like, like how you were saying, like, being on top of the world and feeling like you've accomplished so much and then having the lull of, like, okay, now there's nothing else to accomplish, so, like, what's...
1: What's next? What's next, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, it's hard in that sense, um, I, I, like I said, I, social media was a big role in my, um, you know, falling, of, um, you know, or going into depression, mm-hmm. um, and part of it again, it was because of that, you know. I, I felt like I wasn't accomplishing. It wasn't, you know, um, it wasn't what I what I expected my life to be. Mm-hmm. But but you come to realize after you get out of that or you you go, you know, you you get out of that that stage, you you realize that that was just a facade it yeah. wasn't really what you really wanted for sure but it was a facade that you built with you know all the stuff that you're that you're constantly you know bombarded with in mm-hmm. social media so yeah so that was you know that was one one big thing but but again um you know i have learned to to stay away and a lot of and if you see my social media i don't have much and that's yeah. that's part of that part mm-hmm. of the reason why another reason why is um when I used to post mm-hmm. and then sometimes I would post something happy or something you know like a fun thing or something that made me happy mm-hmm. and then it kind of went sour on me and then I felt like I wonder if if it's because people are envying me mm-hmm. and, you know, in a way and so I stopped I stopped because mm-hmm. it was it was a vicious cycle it was yeah. you know, it, it, it wasn't good so yeah so I stopped the social media and I still I still you know I post here and there and I do go in but it, it's not as before and I've also learned that what you see is not what it is oh 100% you know a 100% I think that's the, one of the major things you mm-hmm. know you see things and you perceive it in a way w- that it's in reality is not yeah for close. sure that's
0: I think that's what's kept me from I post on social media a lot like I said but a lot of what I post is either my friends or is just solely me. And I've learned to not post my relationship online, um, my family online and like certain personal things online because of the fact that if I, I feel like if I post them online in my head, it's almost like I'm rubbing it in people's faces or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. It, it doesn't give me like satisfaction to post it online. Like I enjoy Really seeing it as, like, okay, this is for me to enjoy. And this is for me to appreciate. Mm -hmm. Because when I'm spiraling and when I'm going through it and when I'm, like, I fucking hate my life. Like, this sucks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can look back on the moments that I didn't share online. And I can lean on the people that I don't share online. Because the outside noise doesn't affect the people that I don't share online. And, you know, like, like, I just... Well, I will will always stick by the fact that, you know, before I hated, 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 hated that my ex never used to post me. And it was always a constant like thing. And I, it took me a while. It took me two years after we broke up to really understand that, like, I'm kind of glad that he didn't because With how his platform was, I can't even imagine how my mental health would have been if he did post me and people just viciously wanted to come at me because they knew who he was and who I was to him. So in some ways, like that, that made me take a step back. And it all like a lot of my mental health was really when I come to, like, realize a lot of things and, like, obviously, like, growing through it and stuff. You brought up taking medication, and I remember um, when I first Mm -hmm. got diagnosed with my depression and, like, my anxiety and all that stuff, I got a lot of things going on for me, but um, my mom refused to put me on medication. Refused. She was like, no, this is that's stupid. Like, we're not doing that. That's not good for you. Like, it's no, 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 no. And I was so upset with her. I... Remember being so angry with her and being like, this is the only thing that's going to help me and you're not going to let me do it. Like, nothing else is going to make me feel better. This is the only way for me to pe- feel better and for people to who deal with what I do to feel better and you're not going to, like, do that. I don't get it. And then, you know, I went a good amount of time without being on medication. Depression was really bad. My anxiety was really bad. My eating disorder started to flare. And then my body dysmorphia was, like, insane um and then my mom ended up um doing like vitamin supplements Mm -hmm. that she ended up researching Mm -hmm. and reading online Mm -hmm. and uh, I was on vitamin supplements for a really good amount of time and it actually did help so you know that played a part in it and then I started to think okay I don't want to be on a supplement I don't want to be on any form of medication I really want to take this on like head-on because Mm -hmm. I just I don't want to feel like subconsciously i'm relying on something mm-hmm. to mask and deal with what i'm dealing with yeah. you know and like i know that you were afraid of because you didn't want to be addicted you know I, I was afraid of being addicted and part of it is because i've
1: seen so many you know um bad cases and i, I I'm, I'm afraid to be codependent on them a medication. Yeah. And part of it also was because I didn't trust the medical system, to be honest, after what happened to me. Yeah. And I thought, you know, I don't know, things just came into my mind and I thought this is not going to happen to me. I'm not going to do this. But I think the most important thing is, you know, uh, the first thing I think, the most important thing is that you acknowledge that you have, you know, mental problems or, or um, mental health problems. And then, uh, deal with it the way that you can, yeah. you know, whether it's with medication or other ways. Um, mm-hmm. And like you said, yes, um, sometimes, you know, you just need that. You, you need it to to get out of it and yeah. then maybe get out, you know, through mm-hmm. other ways. So I'm not opposed to, to the medication. I, it was just my
0: personal, yeah. you know, um, experience and yeah no I, no shame you know, to anyone that's yeah, on medication. No, if that works no, for you, honestly, more absolutely. power to you and do whatever yeah. really helps you. I think more more power to us as well for being able to tackle without having to it's honestly it's it's a really, really hard thing. It's a really hard decision on whether or not you should be on medication because just mental health in general just sucks. It's, yeah, it sucks, it does. man it does. like Hearing both of our experiences, like two different sides of things, but it's still almost in spots the same, and it's just comes down to the
1: same. I think to the same, um, you know, same problem. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you know, hopefully in the next um, episodes in the next um, podcast we can you know share other experiences of other you know um, other health. problems because I think that, you know, like I said earlier, it's it could be something, you know, that a trauma that you went through, or mm-hmm. it could be accumulative. And sometimes it's, you know, the littlest things that, you know, outside you might think that's nothing. Because mm-hmm. I also thought like, you know, mental health was not a thing back when I was younger. Because again, you know, I was taught to brush it under the carpet, move on, you know, you're tough, you, you know, you don't fall or whatever, right? Or you fall and you pick up yourself and move on. But, um, but I think, you know, even the little things can, you know, can be dangerous Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, they can add up and, you know, we hear a lot of suicide nowadays and that's, you know, it's important, it's important to acknowledge. And I think that's the whole point of this, um, Podcast
0: yeah. so that you know sure. we acknowledge and, um, you know, yeah, you talked yeah. about other like upcoming episodes. Um, I for the people that did like leave little things on my Instagram, shout out to you guys, we will for sure take up all of the suggestions because they were super good, yeah, for sure. And I Thank think, her. um, one topic that we did touch on is like the Hispanic traditions and like how hard it is to really have to deal with mental health when you're in that setting. And, you know, we are two advocates of those, that side being like, you know, we still were able to come out of it and shed light onto something that is an issue. And like, Mm I, I would, I love my family immensely. My family is like my entire life. They are my rock. I lean on them very much. But I will say it did take my family a really, really, really long time to acknowledge what was going on. My dad still does struggle here and there to like fully acknowledge and accept it. Mm -hmm. But I think that my mom has been one of the biggest like flips. At first, she didn't really understand. And she she was one of obviously Mm -hmm. the people that were like it's not a thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exist. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you talking about? Like, you're just making it up. And then, then she started to go to therapy with me at first. And then it became this thing of like, she's only telling you one side. And it's like, the therapist is only hearing you and you're making us seem like these evil people causing all these evil things. And I think that that started to cause a lot more issues because then I was like okay so then am I just like making myself a victim or like am I assessing it so much deeper like what's going on and then it became this thing of like okay no for sure this is what's going on with me I've been diagnosed with it already so I know that it's it's there mm-hmm. so this is what's going on and I think it took my mom for sure like after the therapy sessions and then her leaning into vitamin supplements and then she started to read up on it a little bit more and I think it started to hit her like for sure, for sure and completely like take over her mind last year. Like it w- it was just a year ago and I'm 21 now and I've been dealing with this since I was probably like seven, eight. Mm. So it took her a really long time to really even like understand and acknowledge like yeah, there's something different. And I remember she would always like she was bringing up in this argument that we had a year ago. Um, where she was like, You're different, you're different. And yes, I am, I am different. I think differently, my mind is differently, just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. But I remember telling her, I don't want you to continuously call me different, I just want you to call me Genesis because that's mm-hmm. all I am. My mind is just different, mm-hmm. just like how your mind is different, mm-hmm. and my brother's mind is different. Perfect. Like it works differently, but I, I'm, I'm still just me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, me telling her that made her realize, okay, yeah, she's different. Just, like, how my needs are different. And I think my mom even started to acknowledge, like, her own needs and stuff like that. And that's that's why I jumped so quickly to want to do this with you. Because, you know, that's also... the Eventually, another podcast I would love, like, for my mom and maybe Antio Marco and, like, people mm-hmm. to come in. Like, because... It not only affects us individually, but it also affects, like, family and the people that surround you 100%. And, like, you know, I'm sure that my brother even struggled with having to, like, deal with it because he didn't understand why I was acting out. And little did he know it was because of childhood trauma that he involuntarily played a part in and, like, you know... me trying to seek that validation through acting out and trying to be better in school and in subconsciously like wanting to be better than him and things and like Mm -hmm. you know it, it it ended up affecting my entire family and like it wasn't until my Nino passed that like I think all of that ended up completely going away and it's gotten to where it is now and so I think my question maybe for you would be like how your dynamic with I guess Marco like how that like evolved and changed like when you kind of were like okay this is what's going on with me and like
1: yeah like I said a lot um most of the time it was it was all in me I Mm -hmm. I wasn't expressing because again I was afraid I was going to be called crazy I was afraid you know I was not going to be acknowledged and then um but I knew that something was not okay. So I, I needed help. Mm-hmm. So when I told him, you know, I think we I need to go to therapy. I need something. I don't know what it is, but I, I know I need something. And, you know, um, he was supportive. He, you know, he even went with me to the to the Reiki session. He had his own Reiki session and I I had my own. And um a lot of a lot of my traumas and my um you know, suppressed feelings that I had came out in that session. Mm -hmm. And I think that helped us out also as a couple because a lot of things were, you know, a lot of feelings that I had that I thought, you know, it was against me Mm -hmm. from him. It wasn't really against me. It was, you know. It was just
0: your mind basically telling you like, oh, it is towards you. Yeah.
1: So, you know, so that also helped us a mm. lot. And, um, and like I said, he was very supportive in that sense. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful for that because, you know, I, I probably wouldn't have been able to get out of that hole if, you know, if he would have called me crazy, <laughs> you're crazy, yeah, you know. not sure. nothing, you know, yeah. but I think, you know, um, yeah, that, that was, that was a very big, you know, very big help. But again, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I think it's different because, um, his perspective is different because he wasn't living it. You yeah. Know? He, he supports, but it's not, you know, um,
0: first f- firsthand. Per, yeah. Yeah. In the sense of like, he's going uh, right. through that specifically. So, yeah. yeah.
1: So that was, yeah, that was our experience. And, you know, um, so, you know, it, it's, it's been, it's been a lot better now. Yeah. It's been a lot better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I I think my curiosity is like in the sense of like, I've I'm all, I've been dealing with this. I've been single majority of the time that I've dealt with it. You know, until re, until like my first real boyfriend, we won't count middle school. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> <doesn't> but <laughs> like, but like you know my first real boyfriend and, you know, now my my relationship now and like, you know, I can't imagine like having a partner and you know firsthand going and experiencing and not understanding what's wrong and I can't like I guess like did that affect your dynamic as a couple when you were like you knew there was something wrong but you were internally dealing with it and like absolutely yeah absolutely
1: because like I said I there was a point where I thought like, what, are, what? Do, why do we even do this? Like, why do you even get up from bed? You know, because, yeah. you know, and why do we do whatever we needed to do together? Because mm-hmm. it was, you know, I'm going to die. You're going to die. We're all going to die. Like it was, and in my mind, it was like, we're dying like tomorrow. Like it wasn't like, you know, um, and I think also a big part um, during that time, I think I hit midlife crisis because <laughs> <laughs> I felt like. Uh, from the time that I was going to turn 40, like maybe like two years before that. Mm -hmm. And that's when this all started. I started having this um, or going through this depression, I think, uh, when I had my second child, which was, I was about 35. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I hit about 38, I felt like I was like, hitting 40 was like hitting a hundred I was gonna die like this is it like my life is over like you know and and that also played a big part in you know in in a lot of a lot of um other things but I am going back to our relationship it was it was difficult in that sense Mm -hmm. that you know uh, what for like you know do I even am I even worth like you know it was that
0: that sense of um not being worth about you know not feeling Do you think a wall. During that time it was more of like a retraction rather than like a codependency towards him. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I think yeah. for me, mine was codependency mainly because of the, the child neglectance that I experienced. Mm-hmm. So then it was seeking validation through school and succeeding and being in my mind better than my brother mm-hmm. and having this relationship that I shouldn't be having or a relationship that wasn't like stimulating me, but seeking that love and dynamic that I wasn't receiving and that I hadn't received when I was little. And so I, it's so like, I don't know. I love just hearing like different perspectives on it because it's interesting to hear like the dynamic of you know, how it affects not only family, but just personal, personal. relationships. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: It's a toll, like you said, on your whole family. But for me, I felt like it also took a toll on my kids. Yeah. Because, um, like, for instance, my little one, my, my oldest one, I had those whole three years where, you know, I was fully on, um, you know, um, bringing him up and, you know, doing all these things with him. And then I get this child that was premature, that I, you know, started to have all these, um, conflicts with myself, with, you know, my depression and, Mm -hmm. and then my, my, my pregnancy that, um, I kind of like forgot that I had a a baby Mm because he was a baby. Um, when I had my, my daughter, he was still a baby. He was like a year and a half. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I forgot that I had a baby and Mm -hmm. it was, you know, um, I'm pretty sure it took a toll on them too. Yeah. Um. And I think all those little things were what made me, you know, realize, like, you need to do something. Like, this mm-hmm. is not okay. Like, you know, you're never going to be what you were before, but you need to, you know, look at what you have now and, you know, value what you have and yeah. move on. And, and, you know, yeah. But that was, yeah. And even even my mom, even my mom says, you know, um, you like you could see that you there was something in you Mm -hmm. but you had you know a smile on your face but you could tell that something inside of you was not okay and you know and those are the little things that you you know at least for me it made me sad because you know how can you do that to your family and in in a way you know yeah it's what went through my mind like how can you do that to, to your family and that was also one of the of the 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 triggers that, you know... um,
0: It was hard to acknowledge because you felt like it was damaging your dynamic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that.
1: And so, yeah. And that's, you know, that's when it all came down. And, yeah, and like I said, luckily we were able to, you know, get through it with different, different, you know, different
0: things, different It always helps when whoever you're going, like, to with the issue is very open and acknowledging to the issue and like I've always said no shame no shade to my family or my mom or my parents and you know I, I think me acknowledging and putting my foot down and being like no like this is what's wrong mm-hmm. sit and listen to what I'm saying because I need someone to help me through this like Yes, I can do it by myself, but there's only so far I can go. And if you don't have that support system, it's really, really hard. And I can't imagine how people, like, go through it on their own, like, and not having that support system. Like, that – I think that if I didn't have my family the way that I did, or specifically my mom, like, if I didn't have my mom be someone that – was open to doing her research and putting mm-hmm. me on vitamin supplements mm-hmm. and reaching out to me while I was at college and being like, "Hey, like, let's do therapy together so we can, you know, unroot like more issues and like acknowledge them and stuff like that." It, if it wasn't for her, like, I genuinely can say that I wouldn't be where I'm at right now with my mental health for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. So, yeah, it's
1: it's um it's difficult it's difficult to um you know like you said especially in our 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 culture it's you know it's difficult to get acknowledged and you know we're hoping that you know this has this helps at least one of you um you know that for at least for me that's the hope um that whatever we have gone through and we have shared that it helps at least one of you um to acknowledge or to get help and um and get out of it because it's it's not a fun thing
0: yeah no it's, it's not oh i've always said that it's not fun but it is manageable and Uh, You know, you brought up how your mom said that, like, you had a smile on your face, but you could tell that it was Mm -hmm. something wrong. Mm -hmm. And I I think everyone knows this. I've heard this, like, saying of... The most broken people have the brightest smiles. And I have always heard growing up my entire life, your smile is so nice. You have such Mm -hmm. a pretty smile. Like, wow, your smile is so nice. And in my head, yeah, yeah, I was like, in my head, like, if only y'all knew what I'd be dealing with, like, on a day-to-day basis. Because, like, there's so much shit that goes in my mind that, like you know, you would literally sit there and if I sat and I told you word for word, like what goes on in my brain, you would literally sit and look at me and just be like, yeah, whoa. (laughs) Okay. Like TMI, but cool. Good to know. (laughs) Like, but I mean, you know, it's, it's just, you know, like you said, it's to help and reach out to someone. And, you know, my... My hopes with this for however long it goes is just for people to, you know, hear our stories and if you relate to it, I, am, I see you, I acknowledge you and I can be here as an advocate for you to tell you that you aren't alone. And like, there are people out there that go through it just the way that I have and there are people out there that love you and care about you. And if you feel like no one does, I'm here to say that I do love you, even though I have never met you if I haven't met you. But, you know, I have a lot of love for everyone that is watching this and being open to our story, you know? But yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: And know that there's always help. There's always light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how dark it is, how deep it is. There's always, always light at the end of the tunnel. And there's always someone that's going to care for you, mm-hmm. whether you have family or not. Because I know a lot of the times, um, you know, there's people that, that don't have, um, like immediate family yeah. and, you know, and you might feel that you're alone, that there's nobody there for you. But, um, but there's always someone there's always someone out there even a stranger can um bring that little light yeah. to your life so just just sure. be open to that and get the help that you need yeah. get
0: out of the get out of that that tunnel yeah, yeah. so i mean i think future wise I think we have a lot to talk about, for mm-hmm. sure. This was just a little bit of a touch to get to know us and to basically kind of understand, like, why we even wanted to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, no tino no shade to people that yeah, I brought up or she brings up. You know, it's, it's all love in this space. It's all acceptance, no judgments. You know, we sit here, have a glass of wine, and just talk about our problems and talk about problems that are important. Um, future episodes, I do want to touch on. Definitely, I would love to have a male guest, whoever, okay. yeah, yeah, you know, um, a male guest that has gone through what everyone goes through, because you know, it's it's different hearing from two females, because I do also acknowledge men deal with depression as well, oh, and I think it's even harder. Mm-hmm um for men nowadays and I don't I don't want to specifically single out like just women because mm-hmm. yes oh you know it's it's more known for women because we speak about it a little bit more but there are men that go through it and I can't I can't imagine like how much harder that would be on a male aspect as well and I would love 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 to hear about that and I think future we sh- Just a lot to touch on in the future, so we have suggestions, we have ideas, we do. do. Um, so yeah, I'm excited, I'm looking
1: forward to that. I'm really looking forward to a male, yeah. It's like you said, yes, it's I think it's very um difficult, I think, for them to do, especially in our culture. I think it's it,
0: yeah, in many cultures, yeah, not not knocking any other culture, I think, but because we are of Hispanic root, like. I, yeah, I can't imagine the battle for a a male that is in Hispanic culture. Like it's, I I feel that if it's hard for us women
1: in our culture, I think it's even harder Harder. for a male because of all the stereotypes and all the, you know, um, beliefs that we have or that, you know, that we were brought up with. But um, but I'm excited for the next one. Me too. This was fun.
0: This was fun. This is really fun, and it's fun to talk about your trauma. (laughs) (laughs) It's therapy. It's therapy. (laughs) I've learned. Yeah, it really is. Though I've learned that, like I I sometimes have this problem of oversharing, and I'm not I'm not one to shy away from oversharing. Like I I love to just like go on and talk and talk and talk um clearly evidently I'm just (laughs) blabbing but um yeah no I'm I'm really excited and I I hope that you know whoever is watching this that you did enjoy this and you got a little glimpse into our life and what what we deal with and what we have dealt with and see that you know we got through it and there's always hope there's always hope to get through it Always, always absolutely yes and so, yeah, we'll wrap it up yeah. here,
1: and we'll see you guys in the next next, next episode. episode. And I'm very happy, very excited. Yes, cheers ready. to today! Cheers to
0: today! Bye, y'all. Bye. Enjoy your wine. Enjoy your
1: wine.